Praise the Lord. preaching to a camera than I am preaching uh, to all of your faces. At least there's a sense of a, I can see your smile or I can uh, sense you clapping or laughing or whatever you're doing at me. But uh, I am thankful that we're here this morning. I'm going to make somebody nervous and get close to the edge. I'm not accustomed to being up here. As you know, I like to walk around amongst you. So just sense that I'm walking around amongst you today where you are. Last, uh, last I checked, there were about 55 different logins who were watching at the same time. And there's 62. Somewhere around in there anyway. Uh, one of those logins stated there were seven people sitting together watching that. So... You know, I know that you are out there watching, and I pray that uh, this praise and worship time has been something that has been encouraging to you. I don't know about you, but uh, I can dance by myself, yep, yep. Uh, or I can dance in a room. You know, you might feel more comfortable dancing because you didn't have to dress up or anything. You might be in your uh, morning night clothes, and you might change around noon into your nighttime night clothes, or however, however that looks. But um, thank you for tuning in this morning and being a part of this service. Uh, you know, I think so many times we lose track of history. And, you know, we feel like, you know, this might be the first time this has ever happened. You know, oh, Lord. Uh, and not to take away from the extreme necessity to follow precaution. I understand that. And I believe that it's pertinent that you do follow all precautions because, you know, it, it is a dangerous thing going on. But at the same time, um, you know, we're not alone in history. We see even Martin Luther talks about the, the black plague that hit in Europe and the, the response that he had. Uh, our own General Overseer in 1918 uh, expressed his own concern when literally government shut down churches for four weeks because of the influenza that killed hundreds of thousands of people. And so these are, we're not in new times. Uh, the, the, the blessing that we have now is that we actually can video or we can connect um, through these uh, mediums. And in those times, they didn't have that. But you know what was unique to me when I watched or listened or read um, A.J. Thomason back in 1918 when, when they were going through the uh, influenza epidemic? Um, something took place. I mean, we didn't have a general assembly that year. Um, churches were unable to meet. But in that same year, during that same time, was the, the beginning of Lee University, the Bible College in 1918. And so in the midst of chaos brought about still, the, as A.J. As Thompson says, the church continued to grow. And to see that in 1918, the founding of Lee University, or actually it was the, the Bible College at that time, Started and today is the second largest private university in Tennessee with 5,000 plus students. It's amazing, you know. And so, what I felt is uh, the word coming to me, and, and, and I'm thankful um, that it was also confirmed by somebody else is we will arise. 
we will rise. And, and, and I'm just believing that in the midst of all of this, and though we are all affected, we're all um, you know, having to modify schedules and times and handling children at home and, and all of those things, praise God that we in Christ Jesus will rise through it all. You know, it reminds me of a story out of the book of Nehemiah, and I'm going to be going through that story in the book of Nehemiah and, and encourage you to open your Bible and join with me in that. And, and seeing that in Nehemiah, in chapter 1, verse 3, that says that, and I guess the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and approach and the wall of Jerusalem was broken down and, this, and its gates were burned by fire. Excuse me, I'm trying to read without my glasses. Better put them on, I might get fuzzy. I might start saying words that wasn't there. <laughs> um, and so I recognize that during these times, they were in distress. And I, I feel like some of you are in distress. I mean, you're, you're accustomed to sending your kids off to school and they're, and they're at home, you know. Um, some of you, that causes a lot of stress. Uh, somebody said, uh, you know, somebody posted, you know, where's the principal office? I want to send my kids, I want to transfer my kids to another class. You know, I, I get that, you know. One lady said, if, if you see my kids locked outside, we're having an extended fire drill, you know. And so I understand the struggle. The struggle is real. And, you know, we can't say that it will get any better or any worse. All we know is this, that, that we are living in a real moment. Uh, I remember living in Honduras during an attempted coup uh, during that time. Uh, and feeling this heaviness right in the pit of my heart. And, and, and realizing that this was a dark time. And, you know, we can't help the way we feel. We can't help feeling a little bit of anxiety. We can't help feeling a little bit of depression. We can't help seeing the effects around us, uh, jobs being lost and, um, you know, people who are dying. We can't help the feeling of what that makes us feel like. So we have to learn how we respond to that. How will we allow that to affect us? And I've heard so many. I've been so thankful to see fellow pastors, uh, fellow Bible teachers getting on and, and uh, offering scriptures, taking time to speak into the lives of people. And Man, that's so awesome. I feel like there's such a movement of, of the body of Christ in this time that I've never seen in my lifetime. Amazing uh, words being spoken. I'm so thankful. Now, uh, I... I don't encourage anyone to try to stir up fear because there, there hasn't been any outbreaks in our area or anything like that. But at the same time, we want to use caution. We want to follow uh, you know, commands to make sure that there is not outbreaks. But what we do find is people turning to Jesus, turning to the Lord. And that's what we want to do. And that's what I find here with uh, Nehemiah. You know, here he is. He's the cupbearer to the king. In other words, he's in a position of authority. And, and uh, he's in a position who's an influencer to the king. He's, uh, he's in a trusted position. And, uh, and, he, and he says, you know, he sees the heartbrokenness of his people. He sees the turmoil that they're in. 
And, and, and I love the response. It says this in verse 4. And when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. Now, what I want you to understand is, is that, once again, you can't help the way you feel. You can't help how that affects you. And there is a season of mourning because, in, in a sense, though, we have not seen anyone uh, from our congregation or in our area who has passed away from any of these kind of diseases. But what we have seen is we've seen people having to take off of work, people who are jobs are shutting down for a period of time. And, and there's a sense of mourning. There's a sense of true feeling of, man, this is tough. You know, how am I going to deal with this? And so I think we do have to sit down and process how we feel. We have to sit down and process what, what emotional stress is, is taking place in our life. But what I love is the fact that it's not once you have processed, there is a turning point. And what he did, it goes on and says, and begin to fast and begin to pray before the God of heaven. We have to recognize that, you know, we're, we're thankful for the CDC. We're thankful for who? And we're thankful for all these agencies that, that in, they're doing their best in their mindset to help uh, keep from the spread of this going around. But our trust ultimately is in God. And so, therefore, we need to know who we're fasting and praying to. We need to stop, take a moment, and truly join together as the body of Christ and know that we are trusting in a God who has all the answers, who cares about every one of us, who is not afraid of our situation, but walks with us daily through every bit of that. And we can trust God. And we can hold on to Him. And we can believe in Him. And I love that. You know, he began to, to pray and fast. And he declared, he said, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. How many know that God is an awesome God? Wherever you are, know that God is an awesome God. And he cares and he's listening and he's, he's not afraid and he wants you to know that he is right with you. And he says, a God who preserves the covenant of loving kindness for those who love him and keeps his commandments. You know what I really appreciate about Nehemiah is this next verse. Because so many times we begin to, it's easy to point blame. It's easy to say, well, if we didn't live in such a sinful society, this wouldn't take place. If, if, if so-and-so wouldn't have done this, we wouldn't have had this problem. But I love the way that Nehemiah begins to confess the sins of the sons of Israel, which... I underline this word, we have sinned. In other words, he took the responsibility. I mean, it, it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture prior to this or after this that Nehemiah did anything wrong. But yet he was willing to recognize that, that we are one. The body of Christ. If my brother's hurting, if my brother's failing or my sister's struggling, guess what? I'm struggling. I'm hurting. And so he was willing to say... Look, we, I confess the sins that we have committed. And, and then he goes on. He says, I and my father's house have sinned. Wow. I think in these times that, you know, we might not feel that we have done anything uh, significantly wrong. But a time to come before the Lord to recognize that all have sinned and come falling short of the glory of God. That we come before Him and a part of repentance is, is a, a humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, Lord, forgive me. 
of anything in my life. David said it this way, and you heard me say this on Wednesday night. Search me, O God, and see if they're being with me. It's a time of reflection. It's a time to say, God, I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't know what's happening, but all I want to know is that, that I am at the position and the place in you that I'm aligned with your perfect plan, your perfect will, that whatever you have for me to do, God, I'm believing and trusting in you. That's what we can ask. That's, we, that's the position that we have to take. And then he, he goes on and, and, and he, he says, remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me, keep my commandments and do them, those Though those who of you who have been scattered were in the in the most remote parts of heaven, I will gather them from there, and I will bring them to the place where I've chosen to cause my name to dwell. So what's awesome is, is that is that I believe that I really believe it's kind of that reflective moment of of, of Chronicles seven and uh, fourteen. And if my people are called my name, he's. I really don't believe that, that Nehemiah is, is actually reminding God. I believe Nehemiah is reminding himself. He says, self, don't you know, don't you remember? These are the words that God said. And so in this declaration, this prayer, it's not saying, God, you better remember what you said. It's more of God, I remember what you said. And Lord, see your people right now who are humbling themselves before you. See your people now and know that they are calling on your name. See your people now and bring them back together. These are the words you spoke and I remember them and I'm thankful that you spoke them to us. Thank you, Jesus. And then he asked for favor. He asked for favor. He said in verse 11, he says, I beseech you, May your, oh Lord, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight and revere your name to make your servant successful today and grant him compassion for man. You know, I think that sometimes we have gotten so accustomed to fast responses. And it's almost irritating. We, we, you know, we're all in this mode where, you know, the inside of restaurants are closed down. And so we're having to get into the drive-thru. Come on. Like, you still can't go. And we get the drive-thru and there's five cars ahead of us. I can't believe there's five cars ahead of me. And I've got to wait. And we get to this mindset where we're not accustomed to waiting on the Lord because we have everything at our fingertips. Everything rapidly. We... We want some information and bam, we go into www.whatever and we find it because we can get it right there, right at that moment. And, and here, you know, Nehemiah is, is praying for favor from God and, 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 and he's got to go before the king. In, in the very first verse of chapter 2, and it, and it came about in the month of Nisan. In the 20, 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Now, I said, God, why is it that you named the specific time? What reason is there? 
Of course, there's multiple reasons we can talk about the exact number of days from the moment this decree took place to the exact moment uh, in when Jesus walked into uh, the prophecy that was given of the number of days and it was the exact number of days that Jesus entered into the kingdom. We can talk about that. But what I draw from that is this, that from the moment that Nehemiah prayed, it was almost four months before he was able to share and uh, for, before the king actually recognized that he was sad. Four months. He was praying. He was fasting. And, and, and what, what that tells me is during his fast, he wasn't walking around moping. Oh, things are horrible. Life's so bad. I don't know if I'm going to. No. In his prayer and his fasting, he still entered the king's chambers. He still brought the cup. He still brought the food to the king. And every day for four months, he was clean. He was looking good. He was in good health. He was showing himself as someone who was faithful to the task and living his life as he should live. And, and, and it wasn't until four months later that he was standing in the king's presence. And the king looked and said, why, are your, why is your countenance sad? My encouragement is, is that we may not see uh, a tomorrow effect where, boom, everything's changed. But are we willing to pray? Are we willing to fast? Are we willing to truly believe God? Are we willing to take some time and, and spend seeking the face of God? You know, I love the fact that I heard Brian and, and, and Pastor Brian talk about, you know, he's... Super enjoying being able, though he's working from home, he's able to sit down at lunch and have food, have lunch with his kids. Wouldn't have happened. Are we looking at the other opportunities that we have? Are we looking at the other moments that we have to be able to pour into people that we might not have been able to do in the past? For those of you who have children, guess what? We uploaded a message from Pastor Brian for the children. So if you want to show that this afternoon to your children, well, great opportunity to continue ministry and being able to together minister to your children. Amen. I, I think I heard about five or six people in there say amen, right? <laughs> we're restrategy. We're restrategy. New strategy. But you know, one thing is that when once he finally came to the king, he then asked, and God showed him favor, and he had favor with the king. Now, this is uh, Artaxerxes is probably the stepson of Esther. And so, praise God, he had that moment of favor. But automatically, how do you know that when you start to do something for God, you're going to have opposition? I mean, there's going to be times that not everybody is going to agree. Or not everybody is going to be on the same page. Not everybody is going to think the way you think. And, and automatically in chapter 2, you know, he, he, he sees, he, he goes through and he's doing all the things that the king had. He brings his letters to people. Um, and, and then he goes and assesses all that he's supposed to do. And he says, come let us. Verse 17, come let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that, so that we will no longer be a reproach. 
And he began to tell the people as he assessed uh, all throughout Jerusalem, the city and the walls. He began to, to tell them of the favor of the Lord in verse 18 and, and the king's words that, that they could cling to. And automatically said, let us arise and build. And so they put their hands to good work. That reminds me that how many understand that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, preparing in advance for you to do. In other words, they said, so they put, said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. Look, you may not be able to be in this place, but there's some good work that you can continue to do. There's some people that you can continue to reach. You can share this video on your webpage or your Facebook page. And let that go to somebody else that may not have tuned in this morning. And how many other people will you reach because you are willing to do something good? Because you're willing to share something of encouragement. There's things that we can continue to do. But immediately uh, after that we see in verse 19 where uh, they were these officials, Sanballat and Tobiah and uh, Geshem, they heard these things. They mocked and despised. What is, what is this thing you're going to do? Are, are you rebelling against the king? Verse 20. So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion, right or memorial in Jerusalem. That's the thing we have to say. I, I love the fact that he answered in, in a, a declaration. He says, one, we will, we will come and we will build. And, and then the people responded, let us build. And then in verse 20, it was a declaration. The God of heaven will give us success. I think somebody needs to, to have that declaration in your spirit. It's a, it's a statement of faith. He hasn't seen it happen yet. He hasn't seen this take place yet. But he made a declaration. God will Come on. The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, his servants will arise and build. Love it. Now, I'm going to go through chapter 4 fairly quickly. Verse uh, chapter 3, we see where they were building and, and it, it expressed all these different ones who come together who were building in their section. And what that reminds me of is that every one of us have a part. Every one of us have a purpose. Every one of us have a section that we need to be building. Every one of us have a, a plan to really reach the community or the, the people that we influence. That we have that possibility to build. Arise and build. But yet in the process of building, they, uh, we find in the first part of chapter 4 that they were being mocked. They were trying to humiliate them. Saying, you bunch of feeble people. How do you think you're going to do this? Let me tell you something. Some of you may even say that about yourself. Look. And sadly is, is that. We might feel feeble. We might feel like. How are we going to be able to arise and fulfill. With this situation. 
I get that. I mean, these are declarations that the enemy tries to bring on us, but sometimes we bring it on ourselves. We say them about ourselves. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then, and then he begins to even mock the material. Some of you say, oh, look, my kids are asking me questions about math, and I don't know. I mean, they look at this, and, and, and they're saying, you know, look at that big pile of rubble. How are you going to build out of that big pile of rubble? You know, even the charred stones or the burnt stones, how are you going to use those? How are you going to do this? And all that is is, is, is humiliation, trying to put you in a place where you are not in a win situation, where you feel like you cannot do it. And we put ourselves there sometimes. And it's hard, it's difficult. But I love that in the midst of the humiliation of the enemy and sometimes the humiliation of ourselves, it's okay to recognize that yes, I don't have the capability to do this. Yes, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. But what we can do is we can turn to the Lord. We can call on His name. We can pray. We can say, Lord, your word says vengeance is mine. And God, whatever the enemy is speaking over me right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Because God, I can't do it, but I know that you can. I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And though I know myself, I'm self-aware that I don't have the capabilities I'm trusting in you that you will lead me and you will guide me and you'll put resources in my hand. You'll put resources in front of me to be able to accomplish the task that you want me to do. And that's where we have to walk. That's where we have to believe. And so in verse 6, he says, so we built the wall. The whole wall was joined together. Come on, somebody needs to know that the body of Christ is joined together. I believe we're more joined together right now than if 250 or 500 people were sitting in this auditorium. We are more together right now because we are believing together for the same purpose. This is putting us in one mind and one accord. And I'm just believing that even in the room where you're sitting right now, that there's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost flowing into that room because God is touching you and you're experiencing His presence because we are together believing. We will be joined together. The whole wall was joined together. But you know, even when we're joined together, that the enemy doesn't, uh, doesn't like it. And though he, he tried to humiliate, then he tries to intimidate. And, and, and they begin to conspire together. How many know that there's a whole lot of people dancing for joy this morning that the body of Christ seems disjointed? There's a whole lot of people that would love to see the body of Christ destroyed and put out of business. And, and, and if you're in the class that Kim's teaching and some of the materials there, there's a movement of people that would love to see the virtues of Christianity demolished. But to know that though they might gather together, though they might put their forces against us, we have seen it over and over again throughout history where 
There has been kings and nations who tried to rise against Christianity. But let me tell you something. The people of God will rise again and we will build. We might, we might be, uh, have to fight some. We might have to, uh, to overcome some situations. But we will rise again. And every time that the body of Christ rises up, it gets stronger and stronger. And it reaches out further and further because the kingdom of God will not go out void. It will go out powerful. I tell you this, the word of God says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. You know, that, that, very, that very word that, that I just said, not by, power, nor, nor by, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord, was in the very context of this same situation. Because it was Zerubbabel who looked at the great pile of, of stones. And he looked at it and says, I don't know how we're going to do this. As a matter of fact, he, he said, he called the stones a great mountain. But the thing is, he realized the, the, the worry and the fear and the overwhelming situation they were in. And, he, and it was the word of the Lord that came to him and said, it's not by might. It's not by your own energy. It's not by your own ability. It's not by your own uh, uh, Comprehension of, of, of how you can do something. It is by the Spirit of the Lord that will lead, will guide, and will direct and give wisdom. Because guess what? The very beginning of wisdom is found in God. Knowledge. The very beginning of knowledge is found in God. I would say reach over to your neighbor and tell him God still loves you. Come on. So I don't know who you who's beside you right now. With their hair messed up and all that good stuff. I don't know. But God loves you. That, that scenario that I was just talking about is actually in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 1 uh, and following. If you want to write that down. I'm in there brother. If you better come up here and play me a tune. Somebody said, boy, he preached your story. When ain't nobody here. I don't know. I miss I miss an, uh, an Elijah uh, on the uh, front row in the Amber, you know, who's giving me a little shout out. And, uh, miss a few of you guys having face to face contact. I understand. I miss you. But I do know this: that we're still on the same team. We're still together. The last thing is, is that they even try to infiltrate. The enemy sometimes tries to infiltrate. And, and, and how many know that discouraging voices can sometimes even come from within? And when discouraging voices try to creep in on the inside, it becomes difficult. It's because it's the very ones that, you know, we have have looked at for strength might be the very ones sometimes that come in with words of discouragement. But even in that, in Nehemiah chapter 5, uh, sorry, 4, verse 9, it says, but we prayed to our God. And because of them, well, you need to hear that. And because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. We have to be vigilant. 
not to dwell on the negativity. We have to be vigilant not to allow, you know, the thoughts to creep in. Mandy, we talked about that this morning, didn't we? It's so easy to, to get isolated and feel alone. It's so easy to do that. And, and we have to be careful not to allow voices that we love, voices that we normally find as encouragement to bring us into even greater fear. Not, and, and, and once again, I hope you understand, I'm not minimizing the, the importance or of, of following a plan to take care of your family, especially for elders and low immune systems and all that stuff. But nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to, to see their jobs lost. Nobody wants to see their income disappear. Nobody wants to see that. But what can we focus on that will give us the encouragement? What can we focus on? And that is, we can turn our eyes to Jesus. We can focus on Him. And we can set up a guard. There's a, a book that, that I think even this church has gone through as a study one time called Boundaries. And sometimes you have to set some boundaries with with words that, uh, that can infiltrate. And you have to step up and be vigilant. If I had, I was going to bring a, a, a trial, but I don't have a trial. A, a, a masonry trial. And it, and it said that, that because of them, because of the, the influence of others that, that came in, they, they became vigilant. And they had a trial in one hand and a sword in the other. And they worked day and night. God, I want to encourage you that we might have to take some extreme measures. This is one of those. But the declaration is this. That the Lord spoke to Nehemiah and says, You will arise and you will build. You're going to arise and you're going to build. And I'm believing in your home. I'm believing for your children, your spouse, your family members, your co-workers, your neighbors. That this is going to be a moment where you come out of the ashes in a, in a great voice of strength and hope and peace flows out of you. And lives are going to be transformed because of your faithfulness. Because of words that you spoke, they're going to experience the love and the peace and passion of God. And I believe that someone said yesterday and said, Pastor, I just believe that our, our local congregation is going to grow bigger in spite of all of this. I believe that. I'm agreeing with them. Will you agree with them, with me? We're going we're gonna to sing this song. And I'm going to ask someone to come pray for us that probably shouldn't be here, but Paige, I want you to come pray for us.